Let's look into God's words. A familiar story in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here am I. Now I think possibly in a congregation this size from maybe some of the youngest, uh, certainly to the oldest, are very familiar with this story of God calling the the young man Samuel. Um, He'd been raised by faithful parents who had now fulfilled their consecrations. And so Samuel is in Shiloh, where the tabernacle is, and he's working for the Lord. It's not exactly an optimal situation. Because Eli the priest has a couple sons older than Samuel, and they um, are living deceitful and lascivious lifestyles right there in the, in the midst of uh, the, the worship. And, and Eli is uh, failing to restrain them. But Samuel, the scripture says, he ministered before the Lord as a child. He was given an, an ephod, a, a, a special vest, and he was, not a, he was not of the tribe of Levi, so he didn't really uh, qualify in that sense for one, but he had been consecrated from his, mother, uh, his mother's womb. She promised him to the Lord, so he was given that ephod that, that indicated that consecration was in effect. And, and interestingly enough, the, the writer contrasts Samuel with Eli's sons by saying that he grew in favor with the Lord and with men. You know, you can you can grow in favor with the Lord and with the people around you, even in the worst of circumstances. Even when things are not going the way they should, uh, on the job, in the classroom, in the home, in the church, when, when nothing seems to go be going right, you can grow in, in, in stature with the Lord, and you can grow in stature with those around you if, if you have listened to the call of God and you have answered it. You see, God called Samuel. Maybe he was 12 years old, give or take a little. And we know it's just before dawn, because the lamp in the, in the uh, tabernacle is still lit, and, and he's awakened by a voice that calls him by name. He hears it. He said, here am I. But nothing seems to happen, so he jumps up and goes to find Eli, and Eli says, I didn't call you. Now, if you're a parent, you've been woke up a few times in the middle of the night, no doubt, by your children. You know, they need a drink of water or they need this. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you say, just go back to bed. Just sleep. This is the time for sleeping, not the time for waking. But but the reality of the matter is, as soon as Samuel got back, the voice came again. Samuel, he says, here am I. And he jumps up and goes back. Well, that happens three times. And finally, Eli, even 
he's not right where he's supposed to be, gets an idea that apparently God's talking to Samuel. So he gives him he gives him a great piece of advice, and it's one I think that we could use tonight. He gives him a simple response. A simple response to give back to God when God calls his name. And that's the familiar words that you know in this story. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Lord of listening. You are the covenant God of, of Israel. You're the one who's made the difference. I'm here at your service, and I'm listening. Well, we know the story goes on, and, and God reveals great things to Samuel. But I was thinking about calling, and how God's call is, is in one sense universal, and yet at the same time, it's, it's very individual. And it's very personal and ultimately specific to every human being that's here. You go clear back to the garden and you find Adam hiding. He's done what he's not supposed to have done. And I find it almost humorous that somehow God, that Adam thinks he can hide from God. I mean, where, do, where does he think he's going to go? But, but in any case, you find a record then in, in Genesis 3. It says, And they, Adam and Eve, heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam. And he said, Where art thou? You see, God's call to humanity since that day begins with that same kind of call that went out to Adam. Where are you? And God knew perfectly well where Adam was. Adam wasn't hiding from anyone except maybe himself. But God called Adam in mercy and in love and said, where are you, Adam? Well, what's happened that God caused you to be separated from me? Let's find a way to get this thing fixed. God's call has come down through the ages just as simple as that to every human being. Paul the Apostle said it on Mars Hill there in, in Greece. Uh, and he was speaking of God's ultimate calling and, and desire. Uh, he said this, he said in Acts 17, At the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. God's still calling people, just as he did Adam. Where are you? You need to turn around. We need to fix this relationship that sin has caused between you and me. You want to flip to the other side of the Bible, to Revelation 22, you find virtually the, the final call there in the Scriptures in Revelation 22, 17. It says, And the Spirit and the Bride say... Come, let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. God is calling. Did you ever stop to think about what we're called from and what we're called to? Peter said it very well. Uh, but, but before I read that scripture to you, I'll just tell you, we are called 
first from sin and darkness, and we are called into a relationship with the creator of the universe who is holy and light and life. And the way Peter said it in 1 Peter 2, 9, he says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. Into a wide place. You know, people have an idea sometimes, and I don't know, I'm not so young anymore. Sometime back, my wife and I were talking to one of our grandsons, and he, he told my wife, he said, Nana, you're not really old. You're just kind of old. I, I took heart in the fact that we were really old. But, I, but if we stay around long enough, I think we're going to move We're going to move from old to elderly. It's just going to happen because that's what happens in life. And, and yet, what, what you find here is that sin, whether you're young or whether you're old, brings constraint and brings, and, and brings a narrowness that the world doesn't tell you about. It tells you it's going to be wide and great and, and, and wonderful, but you don't get too far in before you find out it's just the opposite. It's choking. It's stifling. It holds you down. And yet, when you answer God's call, you're called out of that. You're called out of that constraining, fearful, terrifying darkness, and you're called into the, the glorious light of the gospel, into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Now, that's an expansive kingdom. And lots of elbow room. There's lots of room to run. I remember when our kids were little, there was a song that the kids sang, Jesus, I heard you have a big house. And I don't know if they sing it still, but I, but, but I, like, I like it where it says, and I hear we can play football. Well, us Americans in our football. You know, most of the rest of the world plays football too, but it doesn't look like ours. And, and so I, I learned quickly traveling abroad that, that, that everybody has football, but it's not all the same. And I don't know if there will be football in heaven, but I want to tell you something. There is going to be light. There's going to be life, and it's going to be a big place with God there. A good place to be called to. Seems a good place to be called from. Jesus spoke a parable in Matthew chapter 22 about a king's marriage feast that he had for his son. And when you read the when you read the parable, it says that people were called and invited to this to this marriage feast, but they refused to come. And so the king destroyed them. And as I was reading that, I thought of a story that I heard. Uh, a number of years ago, Brother Lois Carver, our former superintendent general, told, I, I think maybe I was at Midwest Camp Meeting when I heard him preach. But he talked about as a boy being called to the, the local sandlot baseball game. And he said, everybody in the neighborhood was invited to the baseball game. You know, they, they lived in a, in a town there in rural Tennessee, and everybody gets invited. Nobody's left. You need them all. You need all those players. But he said, you had to show up in order to be chosen. 
He said everybody was called, but not everybody was chosen because not everybody showed up to put themselves in a place where they could be chosen. And I thought of this because in this parable, they were all invited, but some of them refused, literally, to put themselves in a place to enter into the marriage feast. And, and, and the parable goes on to give you another example. Even those that were that replaced them and came in, then the parable goes on to say, and there was someone who showed up at the wedding without a wedding garment. Now, wedding garments in that culture were a special cloak that was provided to everyone who attended the wedding for the celebration. They weren't something you brought yourself. They weren't something you had to pay for yourself. They were fully provided. But this person has, even though they've been given a perfect opportunity to, opportunity to have all that they need, they've been called to the wedding, they've been invited, they've been chosen, they won't put the, gar- the, the wedding garment on. And so they're booted out. They had every opportunity. It's a classic example on two fronts of being called but not being chosen. And not certainly because God didn't want you to be chosen, but because of how the human will gets in the way. I have a a new granddaughter. She's about seven months old. And we watch her a couple afternoons a week, or my wife does, and I sneak in there sometimes. And at seven months old, She has decided that she is the queen of her own kingdom. When you try to feed her, I will hold my own spoon. When you try to give her something that she doesn't want, that hand comes out, slaps you away just as quick. I'm going, hey, I'm your grandfather. Don't do that to me. You know, I I brought your mother into this world. But what was that all about? But that's the nature of of humanity, and that's the the sinful nature that we're born with, this idea that we want to resist the call rather than answer the way that Samuel did. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. John the Revelator, he he talks about uh, those that will come back with the Lord. He talks about when they return with the Lord, and that's in Revelation 17, 14. And they'll make war with the, uh, the beast uh, in, in the last days, which it seems these days aren't too far away. And Revelation 17, 14 says, And these shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. Amen. I'll, I'll give you one more chance at that. Amen. You, will, you will want to be on the overcoming team. I, I'm sorry, I was sitting here tonight listening to the music, and I thought of a few years ago at camp meeting, a number of years ago now, dating myself, when Brother Hugo Sams got up at, to preach. And uh, his testimony is, I think, out just fairly recently. He was a superintendent in the Dominican Republic, but he stood right here at this pulpit, and I'd never heard him preach before. I, I didn't know what he was going to say or anything. And he got here, and he, he just leaned into the mic, and he went, Praise the Lord! And he just filled the whole place. I'll never forget it. Well, I know Hugo Sams. My voice doesn't fill, fill the place. But if we, had, if we have hearts that answer God's call, something should start to stir in our hearts 
And, and you may not be shouting amen like that. You may be like the folks I had in one of my branch churches who said, we say amen by nodding our heads. Well, I don't know. Nod your head, say amen, shout hallelujah, do what you have to do. But God is calling and we need to answer. And this is Sunday night, folks. This is Sunday night the beginning of the meetings. God has called us all to repentance, to return to Him, forsaking sin, forsaking ourselves, but and embracing holiness and as a reflection of God. And, and, and then we have to respond in order to be chosen. And then we must be faithful. That scripture goes on to say, uh, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. It's good to be called. It is better to be chosen. But it's wonderful to be faithful. Let's talk about a couple of faithful people here as we get toward the end. Uh, one of my favorite calls to talk about is that of Abraham. Hebrews describes it this way. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, to go out to a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. He left Ur of the Chaldees, modern-day Iraq, for Iran, which is in southeast Turkey, while his grandfather was still alive, uh, or, or his father, excuse me, and, and uh, Genesis 12 records that at the age of 75, uh, Terah, his father, died, and God called him to head down into Palestine following God's call. And, you know, we are sometimes, after we're saved and we're serving God, we're called to leave what is comfortable. To leave what is familiar. Because God has a plan that might be different than ours. It might be bigger than, in fact, it's likely much bigger than ours. I, I couldn't help but think back uh, a number of years ago now, 30-some. Um, when I was just a young man, the Lord talked to me about being a pastor. And... Uh, it's kind of a, a little bit of a humorous story. I won't take long with it, but uh, I, I lived in the city of Medford, and I was an assistant minister there, and, and just doing what I was doing. And one Sunday night, Brother Harold Barrett came to town and, and preached a stirring message. And I went back. It was my night to greet the visitors, and I did that, and I came back. And and, uh, and I, there was no place at the altar, so I was praying in the front pew, and the Lord just began to talk to my heart. And, and, and I was afraid, and I wasn't sure what to do with it. And so I didn't say anything until that night. We, I got out of the car afterwards and I said something to my wife. I said, will you pray for me? I said, the, the Lord talked to me tonight, or at least I think it was the Lord, but I said, I'm, I'm not sure. It, it, it might have been the devil just messing with me. Hey, you worry about these things. You want to get it right. You, know, you don't want to mess things up. And, 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 and she said, well, well what, what did he talk to you about? I said, well, about being a pastor. And my wife, she's the best. Sorry, guys. I got the best. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, she, she looked over at me and she said, well, maybe it's for later. She said, maybe it's for later. That was May. Well, July came in camp meeting and Brother Count Carver tapped me on the shoulder and later wasn't very much later. I remember on a Friday night he talked to me and uh, didn't even tell me where, where, he was, where he wanted me to go. He just said, will you go? Will we, 
would you be willing? And I said, yeah, we, we would. And my wife came looking for me. We had little kids, and she came looking for me after. And she says, I've been looking all over this campground for you. Where have you been? I said, well, have you ever been in Brother Carver? It's Brother Daryl's office. Now, in the back there? And she said, no. And I said, well, I have. She got a really sick look on her face. <laughs> anyway, so we, we spent the weekend kind of challenged and wondering what we were going to do and how are we going to put all this together. And, and, you know, but God is faithful if you will answer. Our seven-year-old daughter had been praying all camp meeting long in, in children's meeting to get saved and didn't get saved. But on that Sunday afternoon that we were driving home from from camp meeting and contemplating this call, and we didn't even know where yet, somewhere between here and Medford, uh, actually it was on Sexton Mountain, on the side of the road, we pulled over and my daughter got saved. And she's still saved today. And the Lord just spoke to me and he said, see, if you follow me, if you follow me, it'll be okay. Later that week, Brother Carver called and he asked us to to move to Woodlake, California, and I didn't know even where Woodlake, California was. But I, I said yes, and he, and he said, there's too many questions to answer. I can't answer them now, so I just come back up here to camp, and I did. And, and, and so it, it seems like this like amazing, majestic story and all that, but it really wasn't any more than some simply saying, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Just saying yes. That's all we did. And we just kept saying yes. And we kept saying yes when God called. And if you keep saying yes when God calls, God will keep leading you. And God will keep working in your life. And I believe that I'm a gray-haired old man now, and God's calling young people now. I'm not likely to get sent too many more places. I don't know. Maybe, that, maybe that's not true. I don't know. But, but, I mean, let's, let's be realistic about this, folks. Abram got up, and he left some things behind, and you may have to. I went back to the bank where I worked. It was a credit union, actually. And, and the day after Brother Carver called, I, I gave my notice. And my boss looked at me, and he said, where are you going to live? I said, I don't know. I've never, said, I've never been there before. He said, well, how much are they going to pay you? I said, I don't know. He said, where are your kids going to go to school? I said, I don't know. And finally, he folded his arms. He says, what do you know? And I said, I know we're going. And God was faithful. I, I didn't cut a very wide swath in Woodlake and haven't cut a very wide one since then. But I try to answer. And I want to challenge some of you young people tonight on these, this first night of special meetings. If you're not saved, God is calling you. Quit fooling around. The last days are upon us. There's not much time left. You need to be saved. I, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter all the problems and the troubles here and there and the people who have disappointed you. It's God who's calling. And it's His Spirit that knows right where you are. And if you've been serving the Lord for a while, God is still calling. I was going to talk about Moses too, but I don't think we need to tonight. There's no reason to drag this out. You kind of have the idea what I have on my heart. 
you may, you know, Moses ended up in the backside of the desert. He messed it up the first time around pretty bad. You read, you read in Stephen's sermon there in Acts, he says, he supposed that Israel would understand that it was by God's, his hand that God would deliver Israel. And instead he ends up in what we affectionately call, the, call UBSD. That's the University of the Backside of the Desert. 30 years, graduate training, shepherding, parenting, husbanding, learning regular life so he could be the leader of regular people. You don't know where God's going to lead you exactly, but I believe that God's call is still coming tonight. Moses could have just said, well, my life's a mess. I can't go on any farther. Uh, it's all done. I messed it up back there. And yet you find that there was a burning bush. And he turned aside. And when he turned aside, the Bible says that God called to him and said, Moses, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. I believe we're on holy ground tonight. I believe God is here. And I don't know your situation, but I believe the Spirit of God has already talked to you, even some of you young people. And he's calling consecrations from you that no one else knows about except you and him. And my question to you is, my advice to you, my, 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 my charge to you based on what the word of God is, when you come to the altar tonight, would you just simply respond, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. God's heard all the excuses, trust me. He's heard them all. You can share them with him if you want, but when you get to the end of it, the question is going to just be, will you respond? And if you're not saved tonight, will you come? Will you come? God's calling. He's calling you. There's no reason to wait. This is, this is a big kingdom. There's room for everybody. And, and, and it doesn't constrain. It opens your heart to, to a, an understanding of the Creator that you never had before. Will you come? Will you? We're going to sing a song of meditation. We always do that. And, and we become creatures of habit, kind of, where we just kind of, well, they haven't started to sing yet. God's call is out tonight and has come to you. So come now. Come pray. 682 is the song. God bless you.